Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Trip of Wrestling brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of Meowbox and courtesy of Meowbox.com. Well, with all that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And today, John, this could be your best effort to date. And that is an epic, that's right, we're back with our little epic series with Tom Carter, a.k.a. Reckless Youth. And I guess when I can say epic, I mean, this is a true epic. I mean, this is a lengthy, lengthy, detailed interview that really, no stone was not unturned. You really covered everything from Reckless's just phenomenal career. I mean, a guy who was really the standout star of an independent movement in the 1990s into the 2000s and really the face of it all. But John, I'm going to let you take it from here because this really was your epic as well. You did a great job and this is really something that you should be proud of with Reckless Youth, aka Tom Carter. Well, Chad, you called it one of our epics and that's possibly the biggest understatement of the century because this is the epic very long and great interview with reckless youth aka tom carter and you know what we've had other great epics before like jerry lynn and al snow matt morgan scotty riggs i mean we've had a bunch of great epics which are very long terrific interviews but this may have been maybe the longest maybe one of the best but Definitely one of my favorites for sure, and it just brings me back, like we said with Devin Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar. Great memories of the New Jersey independent scene for sure, and just great moments as a kid where, you know, you see a rising star, you see a great wrestler, and you say, man, this guy's amazing, this guy's really going to be something, and boy, was he great. Think about his career. I mean, we had a blast, not only talking about the New Jersey independent scene, but if you don't know Reckless Youth, a.k.a. Tom Carter, 
you know, you got to think about not just his New Jersey independence and him wrestling, you know, all over the East Coast, you know, as a great independent. But think about this. Him and Mike Quackenbush created Chikara, which is a, a great promotion out of the Philadelphia area. So, you know, familiarize yourself with that great promotion and the Wrestle Factory and everything else that goes along with it. But also, which we talked about in great detail, was his time in Ring of Honor. And, you know, it was kind of short-lived, but it was great if you go back and watch some of those matches and you kind of wanted more out of them. And we do go into his time in Ring of Honor and kind of why it ended. But uh, he kind of was rebranded a bit by Gabe Sapolsky in Ring of Honor as the technician Tom Carter. As he stepped away from the Reckless Youth name, we go into uh, why he stepped away from Reckless Youth. But that's some great stuff. And then think about his time in developmental down in Memphis, which he was fantastic. He has great, great stories of Robbie Brookside, great, great stories of feuding and basically, quote-unquote, being married to William Regal down there. That is some great stuff. And then he tells some great stories about him working with Daniel Bryan down there, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, and basically them telling them to slow it down because they were working a little too fast. Then they're telling him, you're too slow, you got to work faster. So I mean, you get a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stories from Tom about his time down there in Memphis. And I you know, definitely loved the uh, the Brian Daniels and stuff I just thought that was cool and uh, definitely one of those matches where you're like man those two wrestled you know you, you kind of think about that where you don't know if this guy you know who wrestled this guy or when but go back and try to find some Memphis stuff with Tom Carter and Brian Danielson because just amazing stuff two of the best technically sound wrestlers quite frankly ever but uh, you know I mentioned it was great for sure talking about the indie scene and obviously ROH developmental time but you know he is just an amazing guy and you know he won titles everywhere but think about this in 1998 he wasn't even on television and he was ranked in the PWI top 50 he was in actually he was number 50 in the PWI 500 excuse me and um, that's frankly just quite amazing because he wasn't even on TV at that point so it's just you know great of, of PWI to notice his talent and to you know see him wrestle and really really give him the uh, you know the just do that he definitely deserved because in 1998 there were so many wrestlers out there and there was so much good talent and that was basically the most popular year in the business if you think about it WCW was at its highest WWF was at a huge point with Stone Cold Steve Austin and boy were they ascending higher and higher so to be in the top 50 and not be on TV is quite an amazing feat for Tom Carter for Reckless Youth but he definitely definitely deserved it Totally deserving, very deserving, actually. And it was great that you got to cover so much with Tom Carter. And we really want to thank him for spending as much time as he did talking with you. I know it's, uh, it became like a marathon, but trust me, it's worth every minute of this download. So we appreciate you for that. And also go back and check out our past episode that we just had with Devin Storm. Maybe that could fill in a couple of the blanks. In an upcoming episode, you might be able to fill in a little bit more as well. But let's get on down to it and let's get over to meowbox.com. But before we even get to meowbox.com, let's talk about topropepress.com and the topropepress.com radio network. We are now part of the topropepress.com radio network with exclusive best ofs and original content headed their way very, very soon. 
But I'm going to get over to Meowbox, and that is the PowerTrip10 promo code, which you, as the listener, will throw into the checkout box if you haven't done so already, and receive 10% off your first monthly box subscription. Again, it's PowerTrip10 over on Meowbox.com. You really want to take advantage of that, especially during this holiday season, where there are many cat owners out there who just have not been living through the eyes of Meowbox, and I think they really need to start doing so. So head on over there, Power Trip 10, throw it in the checkout box, enjoy yourself, some Meow Box, and Prime Time. Why don't you hit him with a little bit of two man Power Trip of wrestling business and tell them a little bit more about Meow Box? Yes, Meow Box, baby. They are the best. They have a a little service called One Box Can, where every Meow Box purchase will get you a can of food donated to a shelter cat on your behalf. So that is excellent. Also remember, all edible items are made in the USA or Canada, so you know where your edible items are coming from. Now, if you have a picky cat like mine, Lucy, who uh, has a bit of a special diet, you can replace your edible items with toys and surprises, which little Lucy absolutely loves, and that is great of Meowbox. So just remember, folks, that is Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. Again, Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. And now on to some TMPT business. Chad, as you previously mentioned, we are now part of the Top Rope Press family. That's right, Top Rope, excuse me, TopRopePress.com and the Top Rope Press Radio Network. We're a part of them and we're giving exclusive best ofs every week on there. So please check us out there and please check out TopRopePress.com for all your wrestling needs because they're the best in the business today. Also, some more TNPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Rasslin Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while you're on iTunes, check out the feed for past great episodes with the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Sergeant Slaughter, Tully Blanchard, Stan Lariat Hansen, The Blueprint, Matt Morgan. Scotty Riggs, Jerry Lynn, and so, so, so many more. So please check us out on iTunes. Don't forget about the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And speaking of another great sports network that we're associated with, check us out every week on the I-95 Sports Network. Google it up and check it out. That is the I-95 Sports Network. We're bringing best ofs and exclusives to them as well. So please check us out on there. Always some good stuff. Now... If you're interested in booking Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Just remember one thing, he's back out of exile, and if you can, check out the pictures of his transformation because he is looking huge. He's back, and he's in great shape, and he wants to bring the bike club to a town near you. So email us. For all that booking information on the big man and why you're at it, go check out the Kevin Thorne page on Pro Wrestling Tees. They're making the greatest t-shirts in the history of the wrestling business. So please go to ProWrestlingTees.com for all your Kevin Thorne t-shirts. And you too can be a member of the Bike Club. And now, without any further ado, a man has won many independent titles around the world. He is the co-founder of Chikara. He is the man who is ranked number 50 on the PWI 500 in 1998. He is the technician, Tom Carter, 
aka Reckless Youth. Please enjoy. And joining us on the line today is the former king of the Indies, a former two-time NWA North American champion, almost too many titles around the world to even mention. He was at number 50 in 1998 in a PWI wrestling calendar there. In 98, which was the hottest year in wrestling, he is Reckless Youth, a.k.a. the technician, Tom Carter. Mr. Carter, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling, and how are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Very, very kind introduction. Uh, I apologize if my voice is a little a little beat up. I was just playing uh, Fire Pro Wrestling with my, with my youngest son for a little while. We were screaming, playing around. <laughs> it's been a long no, time since that, I, broke, that, since I broke out that game console. Yeah. It was, I was actually cleaning up around the entertainment center, and I saw the console under there uh, full of dust, and I pulled it out, and my little one uh, wanted to play with me. So we were playing around uh, with that for a little while. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Brings back a lot of great memories. Now, that is absolutely great. Do you still, you know, follow the business today? You, you know, obviously you have a young son there that likes wrestling, but do you still follow it yourself? No, actually, not really too much. Uh, and when I say not really too much, uh, I just picked up uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling. Uh, it comes on a station in my area, or uh, I don't know if it's a national station or not. Uh, but uh, I just started watching some Ring of Honor Wrestling, and um I was for a little while, I was recording TNA and basically because I know so many of those guys that, uh, it was, it was nostalgic for me and I wanted to see how they were doing and, uh, what's going on. So it's, it's always nice to check in on some of the guys, but, uh, as far as like the, like the major company now, WWE, uh, I really don't follow it too much. It seems to be every time I breeze past it, uh, somebody's talking. So, and, and I was a fan <laughs> of wrestling, so <laughs> Yes, you were, and you were definitely uh, pretty great at it, if I you know can say so myself. You know, you mentioned uh, Ring of Honor there. Did you uh, you know did you like what you were seeing on uh, ROH TV? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it uh, I think I posted on Facebook uh, uh, a few months ago. I said watching Ring of, and I've only been watching it for a couple months now. And I said watching Ring of Honor, uh, watch the, watching those guys work makes me actually want to wrestle again. And I can remember when I was wrestling, few and far between uh, were there times where I felt like, um, uh, I want to say this, I want to say this carefully. There were very few times where um, I was, that I was able to become a fan again. Uh, once you're in the business and you're exposed to the business on a regular basis, uh, I don't want to say it loses its luster, but, you know, like you kind of know all the magic tricks. And um, it doesn't have the same type of appeal for whatever reason, uh, you know, watching Ring of Honor, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, it has great appeal, uh, you know, just the wrestling that they're doing. Uh, and it, would, it was bringing me back to that place. I can remember one of the few times that I actually became a fan and uh, again, after many years of wrestling is having the pleasure of watching uh, Steve Regal, William Regal, I believe he goes by now, uh, wrestle Chris Benoit at the uh, Brian Pillman uh, Memorial, which I believe was 2000. Uh, and I can just remember watching them work and just being like, this is why I'm a wrestler. And it never made me more proud to be a wrestler. And, I, I, you know, watching Ring of Honor, I see those guys working and they're working so hard. And it's just great. And like I said, it brings back feelings to me. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I want to wrestle again. <laughs> but then afterwards, <laughs> I have to step back a little bit and think about it. 
but uh, yes, uh, Ring of Honor, I really appreciate what they're doing there. Uh, great program. And I, I mean, for the five minutes I was involved with that company, it, it was great. And, and I really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, you know, you were reckless youth. And then when you joined ROH back in 2003, I want to say, you became the technician, Tom Carter. What was the, you know, why did you decide to uh, kind of break the mold and not be reckless youth anymore and go by your real name? Well, it was it was a couple things that were going on. Um, uh, I expected when I got picked up with uh, the WWE that uh, they would actually have changed my character, and because uh, Reckless Youth was kind of getting long in the tooth, <laughs> I, I was a little bit older, and it was getting a little bit more difficult uh, to you know continue with that Reckless Youth character, and um, I was actually expecting the company to change my character and nothing really ever came uh, within character development that we ever came to an agreement on. Really. Uh, there was only, you know, an idea or two that were floated around and, and I think they were floated around in jest. So I'm not really even too sure. Um, you know, so a character was never really developed. And then right after I left WWE, the, uh, I got injured doing an NWA show uh, down in Florida and I was, I didn't wrestle, I think for, for over a year, I think it was a year, year and a half. I got a really bad back injury and I didn't think I was ever going to wrestle again. And that's when I started the uh, Chikara with Mike Quackenbush. And, um, you know, I was involved in that. And then I actually came back to wrestle realizing that my style had to change and I had been out for a while. And um, uh, I thought it was just a great opportunity to really, change that style and at the time when i was talking from uh to gabe from uh ring of honor they were going on they were talking about pure division and they want to do this pure wrestling division and um i thought it was a great opportunity for me to really change my style and i i believe it's gabe that came up with that uh moniker if i'm not mistaken and um and then we kind of ran with it from there now i remember the pure division quite fondly i don't know how many you know other fans are really enjoyed but i loved it because you know, it was kind of just classic, great technical wrestling for the most part. And I was actually mm. at uh, two of the matches you had. I remember uh, once was it was probably about a maybe fifteen minute match with Matt Stryker, and then I remember an even longer match. I believe it was against Doug Williams. And what were your thoughts on, on those matches? Because it was kind of like you said, it was only kind of a cup of coffee in Ring of Honor, but you had some great matches. Yeah, well, for me personally, there was a lot of things that were going on. Um, right, right after I wrestled, um, right, right before the Doug Williams match, uh, my first child was born and, uh, right after the Doug Williams match, um, I, I don't know what happened. I mean, my back injury would flare up every once in a while. And I can remember, uh, by the time I got home, uh, from the Doug Williams match, I couldn't get out of my car. Um, my back was messed up so bad. I think it was laid up for a few days and, um, you know, so, you know, me being with Ring of Honor, that pulled me out for a little while. And I, I think that was one of my last uh, matches that I did. Like, I would say that I was consistently wrestling because uh, I just recognized that, you know, I had a family to provide for and it was difficult, especially with my injury. And I had to, um, uh, you know, look at opportunities differently. But the time that I was with Ring of Honor, um, I really enjoyed I, I liked the direction that they were going with that pure wrestling division. Uh, they were lining me up against some some great guys. Um, that match with uh, Matt Stryker, uh, just the fans were absolutely amazing and so welcoming, um, uh, especially since I hadn't wrestled in a little while. And um, even Doug Williams, that was just such a pleasure to work with him. And, 
you know, even, uh, you know, just learning from guys like that. Cause I, I, there was never a place where I couldn't learn. Uh, there wasn't ever a place where I couldn't really grow. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I loved about wrestling so much is, you know, there was, there was that influx where you had so many different styles that were being introduced, new guys coming from different areas of the world and, uh, to be exposed to it and spend some time and train with guys like that. Um, I, I even think when I was in Memphis, uh, I got to spend, uh, I think it was a month, two months with Robbie Brookside. And that was just amazing. And, um, Steve Regal would sing his praises. And the time I spent with him just training with Regal and with Robbie Brookside was just an amazing time. So uh, to even work with, you know, Doug Williams and, uh, you know, spend a little time even with him uh, in that ring, uh, it was just such an experience. And Matt Stryker, uh, I, that was just, that was just, uh, it was just so rich. And it was rich because, you know, the crowd was just so into it, which uh, that's something, you know, that's why you're performing, right? Um, you know, so that just made it at all that much more worth it. There's not that about a ring of honor. It definitely had some great and very respectful crowds of actual wrestling, which is cool. And what was cool with uh, Gabe, you know, he had so much respect for you. He actually put you in an ROH title match with, with Stryker and Cole Cabana. And then, of course, the champ was a Samoa mm-hmm. Joe. You were yeah, supposed to, yeah. you know, working for the title and working with Joe. Uh, he was great. I think I'm trying to remember... Uh, at that time, if I had been in some locker rooms with him, uh, but working in, uh, you know, getting the opportunity to work with him, uh, you know, you could tell that guy was, was, was destined for bigger things and better things, or I should just say bigger things. Um, uh, because that time in ring of honor was a, was a rich experience. I'm sure for him, uh, also, uh, but for me, it, just being in the ring with all those different guys and, uh, I think about a lot of those guys that, you know, I had kind of been in place for a little while on the independent scene and seeing these younger crop of guys come up was, it just pushed me that much more uh, to stay on my game. And uh, it, overall, it was a great experience. Working with Joe was, uh, was a great experience. I, I mean, I am not surprised the level that he's risen to uh, because he was just, he was a class act, uh, you know, in the ring and, and also uh, behind the scenes. Now, if I could almost go back a few minutes to what you talked about before with Robbie Brookside and Steve Regal, because obviously Samoa Joe right now, he's in WWE, he's in NXT, and one of the, well, two of the you know main trainers down there are Steven Regal, a.k.a. William Regal, and Robbie Brookside. So, really? You know, it's pretty I didn't cool. know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. That's and awesome. I didn't actually, know that. <laughs> they actually have a TV show on the, on the WWE Network called Breaking Ground, and Robbie Brookside is like focused upon because he's he's trying to train some of the guys that aren't really you know they're pretty green and he's basically uh, showing them the ropes and he's one of the main focuses which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean Brookside, he's I mean he's been around for a long time and it, what was crazy is when I was in Memphis and I was uh, you know the, the I think I was in Memphis for I can't remember how many months I was there before Regal showed up, but I I. I, I had so much respect for Regal uh, when he showed up. There's like that unwritten rule um, that you like that if you're, you know, behind the curtain, behind the gorilla, you never mark out for another, for another wrestler. You don't go up and ask for autographs or anything like that. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, and like he came, he came to Memphis and it was like, uh, I, I totally got my mark on. I walked right up to him and I was like, my name is Tom Carter. Uh, I wrestle as reckless shoes. 
and uh, would you teach me everything that you know? And I was just like, and it was awesome uh, because he was just like, he had remembered me from when I tried out at WWF um, or WWF, it was WWF at that time. Uh, but when I tried out a long, long time ago with Steve Carino and he had remembered me from that and he was just, he knew I was friends with D'Lo and, uh, and he really just took me under the, under, uh, his wing. And it was just such an amazing experience. And all the time he was always just like, you know, Robbie Brookside trained him and, you know, and he just always said such amazing things about Robbie Brookside. And I knew of Robbie Brookside's work um, because I followed the guy. So I was just like, wow, you know, and when Regal turned around and told me he's coming to Memphis, that was just like great. It, it, and I got to work with that. Not only did I get to train with him, but I got to work with him in the ring and, uh, you know, doing live shows. And, you know, there's a dynamic of, yes, when you train with somebody, it's one thing. But when you're out performing with somebody, there's a, it, it adds a whole new uh, intimate layer between the two of you. Um, and, and the experience with him, I, I had a chance to work with him a number of times uh, when I was down there. And it, it was great. And it was a learning experience in the ring and outside of the ring. And they they ran uh, they ran a good ship, um, and, you know, when we were training and everything. And I, I'm not surprised to hear that both of them are, you know, uh, you know, training in the, in the training center facility and uh, and that uh, Brookside is where he is uh, and, and deservedly so. Uh, he is just a, a, a fantastic guy all around. A lot of respect for the business, too, which is great. Um you know, to see guys that, you know, that didn't lose respect for their craft after time or, or become sullied by the business, that they still loved and respected the business that much. And, um, it, you know, to see that pour out in everything they do, uh, it, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't actually realize they were trainers. And I think that's really awesome that they are. And, uh, yeah, I miss those guys. Uh, uh, not much, uh, a short span of my time was spent with them, but it was such a, uh, such a moving time. They were the type of people that, you know, I kind of regret that, uh, that I don't, I don't have those experiences with them now. They still aren't a part of my life. Now, not only, you know, obviously Regal is a tremendous trainer and you had, you learned so much from him, but what was it like wrestling him? Because I know you wrestled him a few times down there in Memphis as well. Oh, it, uh, we were, uh, the term that you use when you're, when you're wrestling somebody night after night, after night, after night, they uh, refer to it as, you know, you, you might hear it on different layers, but one of the layers is, oh, you're doing a program with somebody. But also they use the term you're married to the person. And I, I think I was married to him for like two months. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> two straight months. And we were, and at the time when we were doing that program, I think we were, um, we were wrestling uh, at least, I, I want to say we were wrestling five days a week. So you can imagine over two months, that's quite a bit. And, um, you know, working with him in the ring, um, you know, for me, I was a huge fan going way back and uh, just the, the opportunity to be able to work with him in the ring and uh, the contrast of styles just in Memphis, too, and, and the, the way we had to perform and uh, the way everything was set up. It, it was a, it was really interesting uh, and and keeping it fresh every night because we didn't do the same match every night and uh, and keeping it fresh was always really interesting. And, um, and he, and he was the leader. So I just followed and, uh, it was, it was, it was always a great experience. And even just training with him, uh, was a great experience because he had, you know, a million stories. They were never ending. I mean, I think he was wrestling ever since he was like 15 years old and, um, and you know, something like that. And, uh, he always had a million stories and a lot of the people 
that he looked up to were the same type of people that I looked up to. So, uh, you know, you know, it was just great, uh, just listening to him and, uh, and working with him. Um, it, it was not, it was not a chore. And, um, when, when the program was done for us, uh, I can say that it was one of those things where I hadn't looked forward to us, you know, doing something again in the future because um, it, it was just such a rich experience. And it was the type of experience when we got done, you know, nobody was beat up so bad that we couldn't go out to eat afterwards, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know uh, so it wasn't, you know, anything like that. And it was, you know, uh, it, was, it was always solid and uh, it was always professional at all times. So uh, I learned a lot from him, especially because I was so – uh, in wrestling experience, I was so uh, much younger than him. I was so much greener than him. And, uh, and, he, and he, you know, he didn't take that opportunity um, and, and beat me with it. Uh, he didn't take that opportunity uh, and belittle me or demean me. Um, he took that, all that uh, experience and he used it to train me up and build me up and, and help me learn. Uh, I can remember the the original training center I trained at. I can remember it was kind of like, oh, you're the green guy, and so we're just going to beat the crap out of you and you know throw you in the trash cans. And um, it, it, working with him, like he was always very professional, and he wanted to pass on that 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 trade. Um, and even how professional he was, it really helped me when I later went on to train people. Uh, to give them that same type of grace and to pass that on and, you know, and be re- being respectful all, all down the line. You almost became like the Chris Benoit, you know, and the original match, like you mentioned, that awesome uh, Brian Pillow Memorial show. You almost became uh, the Benoit to, uh, you know, to, to <laughs> his regal. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, um, uh, you know, for me, like I said, I can remember watching that match and just the electricity uh, for that live match and, um, and how, like, how great the crowd was and how they worked. I, I can remember it was like something like, I don't think they hit the ropes once in the match. Uh, I believe there was some, like, some number out there like that. And I can remember sitting in the crowd watching that match with um, – uh, I was out there with uh, the, the locker room emptied to come out to see that match. And, um, you know, w- I could see so many guys. We filled up the stands and uh, along with the, along with the fans and we watched it as fans and we were all cheering and, you know, ooing and eyeing, you know, during it. I, I can just, like I said, I can remember that moment. And even now me just telling you about that moment is, you know, is giving me chills. Cause like I said, that was one of those moments where I was like, this is why I became a professional wrestler. And I, 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 I probably didn't have more respect for the business than in that moment. And uh, it was just a, such an, a, such an amazing match. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, I know that kind of ushered in a newer style and this, you know, this uh, style that's been much more adopted now, um, you know, uh, more prolific and you can see it, uh, you know, across the business. And I, I just love to see it. I, I, I love the return to this, you know, uh, you know, this style of wrestling, uh, to see guys out there working as hard as they are. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I used to watch UFC when it was a lot more grappling 
And then when they changed it and they changed the gloves and everything, and they, it became more of a boxing match. I stopped watching it because I really liked the grappling and the counters and the holds and the reversals and, and, um, and to see that kind of style, like in wrestling, like what they're doing, uh, you know, in wrestling, I just love it. I just love it. And, uh, again, it's easy for me to, to become a fan when I'm, when I'm seeing it performed like that. Absolutely. And do you think you learned, because you became somewhat, especially, you know, throughout seeing you so many years on the indie scene, but then, you know, watching TV and stuff, almost like an innovator of offensive sorts. Did you get a lot of your, you know, moves said and stuff from Regal? Because I do see some comparisons between you guys. No. Um, boy, when I first started, <clears throat> when I first started, um, I would say I probably owe a lot of um, the things I did to uh, a guy by the name of uh, Machine Gun Mike Kelly from uh, Michigan. <laughs> it's an interesting story. But what what happened is is I had the opportunity to go out uh, because D'Lo was involved with Al Snow, uh, and Al Snow had his own wrestling school out in Lyme, Ohio. And I got to go out there and train, and Al was an amazing trainer. And I had trained at Larry Sharp's for, for a few years and <clears throat> to go to Al's and Al was doing like the complete, like something completely different. And it was, it was really cool. And, um, and uh, what he had is he had in, um, in his one video room, he had just stacks and stacks of Japanese wrestling tapes. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he owed it all to Machine Gun Mike Kelly. Uh, because we would go when we started working out in the Midwest and doing Michigan shows, we would stay with Mike Kelly and myself and this other guy by the name of uh, Don Montoya. And we would uh, stay out in Mike Kelly's and he just had stacks and stacks of tapes and he would let us borrow them or copy them. And a lot of my style was, was very much influenced by uh, the new Japan junior style. And uh, these guys were just brilliant. And, um, and so I say in a lot of respects, it was machine gun Mike Kelly, like passing along those tapes. And I think I was just doing something that a lot of people weren't doing at that time. And, uh, and then you would see a splash of guys that would come along that would just do like, like Regal. Like I I can remember going way back to the WCW days in the early WCW days. And I was like, this guy is as smooth as silk, like just the way he moved in the ring. And, um, I was a fan of like, like, you know, those smooth movements and that's the kind of stuff that I would study. Uh, I can remember like the subtleties that a lot of people would overlook. Uh, but I can remember, um, you know, Raven when he was wrestling as, uh, I want to say it was Scotty Flamingo in WCW and he was just doing some brilliant counters and movement in the ring. And I was just like, and I would emulate that. Uh, I would emulate Regal who was just brilliant. Um, I can remember being a huge fan of Kurt Henning, uh, another guy that I wanted to just emulate his movements in the ring, how he uh, used the ring. Um, and, and so I, I think like I just started morphing a lot of different styles together uh, and it kind of came up with the style that I have. But uh, it's interesting that you say uh, that I was an offensive wrestler because I thought more often than not, and then not that I was a defensive wrestler uh, hmm. coming up with a lot of just crazy counters and reversals and, um, yeah, a, a counter into a move, maybe. Uh, but I actually thought I was more of a defensive wrestler than an offensive wrestler. <laughs> but hmm. I mean, it's I can thing, see that. you know when somebody else looks hmm. at it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I really tried to pride myself in like really innovative counters um, and uh, just uh, really just trying to have a movement in the ring 
um, that was all positive. Uh, that, you know, there wasn't like negative movement. There wasn't wasted motion. Um, I can remember working with like working and training with Regal. He was really big on that, like not having uh, wasted motion or movement in the ring. And he did so many little subtleties uh, with things that I just really wanted to adopt. And it just make you think about things a little bit differently. So uh, those are the types of things that tweaked my interest when I, when I used to watch wrestling and got involved in wrestling, but like many people, you know, my age or my generation, I still love the road warriors too. They came out and destroyed everybody. How could you not have a poster of the road warriors up in your room? But, um, you know, uh, but those more technical wrestlers, I really, really appreciated them. Road warriors, definitely one of the greatest of all time. And, you know, obviously I think everyone was a fan of theirs, but you know, you were saying, you know, the more technical style and, you know, it kind of makes me think of, you know, in Memphis with Regal, but were you there when uh, very, very technically sound Brian Danielson was in uh, Memphis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Brian and I, we worked quite a bit. Um, when I was, uh, when I was there, um, he came in a little bit after I did. Um, I want to say he came in right before Regal. Uh, there was a crew of guys from the Shawn Michaels school that had come in. It was, uh, it was Dragon, Spanky, uh, Shooter Schultz and, um, uh, Lance Cade, Lance Cade. And those guys all mm-hmm. came in and actually, I, I actually lived with them for a little while, uh, while we were there. But, uh, yeah, working with Spanky and working with Dragon was was really cool. Uh, but uh, one of the things that was always commented uh, about was uh, when we did wrestle, we tended to move way too fast and um, and do way too much stuff. Like, uh, and and when I say way too much stuff, like it was like you know like a lot of counters reversals, counters reversals, and um, it, it, you know, uh, and there was those comments. But I I can remember you know at the time we were you know, we were being looked over and we were being, you know, criticized for every little thing we did anyway. So if, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if we were, you know, if we applied too much psychology, we were criticized for applying too much psychology. If we, if we abandoned psychology, then we were, you know, criticized for, you know, not using psychology. So it felt like it was a, you know, a lose, lose, (laughs) but I know they were growing us and I know they were growing, growing us and grooming us at the time, but I, I can remember it was like one week they were like, you know, work like it's a four minute match. And then they would say, you know, the next week you will work like it's a four minute match. And they were like, work like it's an eight or 10 minute match. And so, (laughs) but uh, yeah, they were keeping us busy. That's for sure. And when you worked with uh, Brian Danielson, AKA Daniel Bryan, then did you ever, you know, foresee him becoming the gigantic megastar that he became? So it's so hard to tell. Uh, what would stick and what wouldn't. Um, I know there were a lot of people that had me slated for, for being, uh, you know, uh, you know, a huge WWF star and it didn't materialize. Um, you know, I saw a lot of great guys over the years uh, that were before me and after me um, come in and out. And I was always really surprised, you know, that certain people didn't catch certain people did. Um, so for me, um, I was realistic in, in recognizing that, you know, like most major sports, like the percentages are so low, who's going to make it. Um, would he, would, I would have never expected him uh, to be anything um, less than, uh, you know, well-respected throughout the Indies and a perpetual wrestler that would have been known throughout the business in, 
various different ways. Uh, you could just tell by his work ethic, how hard he worked, um, you know, how dedicated he was to the business. There was, there was no doubt in my mind that he wouldn't have been, you know, a staple in the business, uh, rise to the prominence that he did. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't have foreseen that. Um, but I would have said the same thing about CM Punk, uh, which I was, you know, around with him too. And, uh, and he, you know, you know, became a superstar too. And, uh, you know, you just never know, you never know. Um, I can remember one time Dilo was telling me, uh, when he was in Smoky Mountain, Chris Jericho came there for a little while and he said he, he saw Chris Jericho and he knew Chris Jericho was going to be a superstar. And I was like, wow, you know, cause obviously he became a superstar and this is like before he became a superstar, he was like, there's this guy there and he's going to be a superstar. And like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll see. And then I'm like, oh, this guy was in the top of the super juniors, you know, in Japan. Okay. I know who you're talking about, but I would have never envisioned him becoming, you know, the star that he would have. And uh, so I just didn't look at it like that. Really. Um, I, I never really, even for me, I said, I'm just going to ride this as long as I can ride it. And, and see what comes of it. Um, you know, I was always surprised even myself, um, you know, what was done and what even happened with me. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I was always just surprised by that. So, um, you know, could I tell that somebody had an amazing amount of talent? Yeah, I, I could tell the guy was brilliant. Um, you know, but a, a lot of times that doesn't, you know, the best guy doesn't always get picked. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and the culture of the business may have changed where, you know, it, that may, that may be different now, but I can, re you know, remember a, a lot having the more to do with who you knew, uh, and not necessarily what you could do. And some of the best guys were the guys that, um, that were making the other guys look really good. So, uh, you know, you always had a job for something like that, but, you know, and, you know, and then the guys move on or whatever, or you do an interview with one of the, you know, the superstars and they say, Hey, it's because of this guy that I even am, or this guy is, is awesome. And you're just like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And, you know, because they had, you know, a deeper appreciation and knew that these guys made them, you know, the stars that they were and stuff. So, or groomed them or built them up or trained them up and raised them up. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because, when we used to go to shows, like me and my brother and my friends used to go to shows, and a few guys, obviously, that were in from New Jersey, so a lot of the New Jersey indie scene, like New Jack City Wrestling or JAP yeah. or J oh, JCW, wow. you know, something like that. But we would always New Jack you. City Wrestling, that's going back. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> New Jack City Wrestling, that's really going back. Wow. Oh, yeah. Come play in our hood. I remember that. That was great. Um <laughs> But we used to always say, you know, like, you stuck out. We're like, man, this guy should be a big star somewhere. Reckless Youth is great. Uh, Ace Starling and Devin Storm always uh, stuck out. But, like, you mm -hmm. always kind of stuck out. What, what what was it, you know, kind of about that New Jersey independent scene that always drew good crowds and always seemed to have good shows? With wow. Um, we... Uh we had the uh, the benefit of a lot of uh, really great, uh, or I should say, we had the benefit of very few very good training centers. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, you had Larry Sharps. Uh, you had Mike Sharps. Um, uh, you know, like, like guys like that. I mean, you know, you had training enough guys and building up guys 
and uh, you know that had you know a deep respect for the business. Uh, we're trying to train guys right and build guys up right, um, and you know, and then they you know had their core of guys that then trained that were basically you know uh, you know matured to that point enough that they could actually train. Rather than you know, like I can remember towards the end of me, it was you know me wrestling. I can remember it was kind of like there was a school you know on every corner, and if a guy could sell a few tickets, they would put him on a show, and he may have been trained for five minutes. And um, you know, I think that really did a disservice to the business. Rather than you know, there was a time where you know there were you know only a few schools in the area. They were pumping out some quality talent. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and guys, you know, knew what they were supposed to do, uh, and knew how to do it. Uh, you know, I, I think of, you know, Maryland, uh, when I was involved with MCW in Maryland, they had such, you know, a rigid, strong training program down there. And, you know, any one of those guys could come up North and you could have a quality match. And any of the guys up North can go down there and have a quality match. Um, you know, so, you know, like there was things like that. It had a lot to do with the foundation. Uh, a lot of guys were built on strong, strong, strong foundations. And I mean, when you're built on a strong foundation, you know, you can't really go anywhere but up from there. And, um, you know, I think about guys like Ace Darling, like that guy, you know, was a ring general. And, uh, you know, so many people just didn't know it. Uh, you know, that guy, his mind was like so rich for the business, um, you know, and just like with the angles and putting things together and making things make sense. And when you got a guy like that, you know, that was trained by somebody that then put it in him and then he puts that in somebody else and doesn't water it down, like carries that same level integrity down um, before he allows somebody to go out and train somebody else. When you see that, that's how, you know, the craft is really preserved. And that's how you see like such a, a rich crop of guys. And, um, you know, and it was a lot of respect, uh, that, that people had for each other because, you know, um, they knew you had worked somewhere. Uh, Larry Sharps, I had trained for, um, I mean, this was the culture then, but you trained for a good year before you even, you know, wrestled. And uh, you trained for a good year. You spent, you know, the better part of that year just getting beat up. And, um, and, and then when you get your first match, you work an opener and, you know, like you're, you're basically, you know, really restricted on all the things that you could do. And, you know, it's just always just a growing experience from there. Uh, and then you were put in with a good leader and, um, you know, you can only grow from there. Um, you know, so I just think about how many great training centers there were or, or the few really good training centers there were in the country. And then, you know, you know, in the area too, you had such, you had great, uh, promoters too. There weren't, there weren't a lot of promotions and you just had like quality uh, promoters. Like I'm thinking like Jim Katner, uh, Jim Katner's promotion. Great. Uh, Blaine DeSantis, um, you know, uh, Dennis Carluzzo. Um, you know, working with those different guys, I mean, later along came the guys like, uh, you know, Frank Idea and, um, and, you know, Ricky O, but, you know, before that, I can remember the, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, Michael Bryans in Connecticut that drew thousands, 
you know, to his shows. And, you know, it was like, you thought it was a WWF show, you know, I can remember doing a show for him and the town literally shut down and all the way up to the venue were cops like directing traffic. And I, I, you know, and that guy, he put on a super, I mean, he put on a star studded production and uh, you know, the quality was amazing. But I think of, you know, like guys like Jim Katner too, you know, uh, you know, and Dennis Carluzzo and, uh, and Blaine DeSantis, you know, like those guys like putting on their production were, were, were great productions too. And, uh, you know, that was at such a great time and they were, you know, you know, just doing TV when nobody was really doing TV, doing TV spots and stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, Norm Connors out in steel city wrestling, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, just bringing in quality guys. And, the, you know, at the time too, ECW, uh, there was a surge with, you know, ECW, so they were able to get quality guys from, you know, ECW that were loaned out, and that only helped, uh, you know, everything, you know, on top of it. So you could get, you know, you probably came to those New Jack City shows uh, looking to see, you know, like Raven versus Dreamer, you know, and uh, and then you would get some of these indie guys, and, you know, I, I can remember when I first started, I, I was an indie fan. Uh, I would, uh, you know, uh, I watched WWF for a minute, and uh, I I tripped over NWA and I fell in love with NWA and um, and I saw posters about like local indies and I used to go around I used to follow local indie wrestling and that's I just became such a fan of indie wrestling and um, <clears throat> and you know you would go there to see you know I can remember I went to see in Mount Holly New Jersey uh, the Mount Holly Armory I went to see Junkyard Dog versus Kerry Von Eric and that's what I went to see. That's what I was wow. there for. Me and D'Lo, me and D'Lo, we went there. Um, we went there to see Kerry Von Erich versus Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog broke the ring. Uh, it was it was funny, but you know, on the show, the lower card of the show was a hot body, and I didn't know these guys. And these guys, like after I saw them one time, I was like, every show they're at, I'm gonna be at. And I found out about TWA, and I used to go. This is pre ECW. Uh, I would I would go follow them around at TWA at the you know at the sports bars in Philly, and I would watch these guys perform, and like I just was like man like you know like I want to be one of those guys, and you know and I'm sure that was I mean I'm sure it's probably a similar experience that you had like you go there to see you know the stars and then you see these other like diamonds in the rough and you're just like wow these guys are awesome I want to follow these guys around I can't wait for the day that they're on top. And I like, I can remember seeing that guy at so-and-so. Uh, I can remember it was that way with lightning kid for me, uh, Sean Waltman. Uh, he used to come perform at Larry Sharp's WWA way back in the day. And I was like, back, he was just awesome. And, um, and then, you know, one day he's on, you know, WWF is one, two, three kid. And I'm like, I remember I talked to that guy just a couple of months ago, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, it, you know, that was cool. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm sure you, you looked at it very similar, but <clears throat> for me, you know, I just, I just fell in love with indie wrestling and, and that really became, you know, a bigger passion for me than what was going on in the big companies. Uh, I, I love to see guys go from the indies into NWA. I would be like, Hey, I remember seeing that guy, that guy's awesome. And uh, it, it, it would always be really cool uh, because they, you know, they were, it seemed they were allowed a little bit more liberties in NWA uh, to get over than, than, than WWF at that time. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just seeing some of those guys come up, I was like, wow. I mean, I can remember, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, Raven was Scotty the body and I'd see him in indie wrestling and I was like, this guy is amazing. Uh, so, uh, but that's going, that's going, that's going back pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had the same exact kind of thing where it's like, uh, at first you're almost like, is it like an ECW show? Cause you know, Raven was on it and dreamer and Whipwreck. You had all these, uh, you know, this all you know. We went to a bunch of shows, but I remember one particular, like, like, oh my god, this feels like an ECW show. And then like you were on it, and then a bunch of other guys were on. It was like, oh, but it's sprinkled in with all these like great young uh, indie talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun working with all those guys. Was was always a lot of fun. Um, you know what was cool about it is, is uh, you know everybody. It didn't. It wasn't really cutthroat. Um, it, it, everybody was kind of like you know we're all going to, we're all going to get somewhere together. Uh, we're all going to get somewhere and we're all going to become better together. It was, you know, so when I would work matches with like Devin and Ace, you know, those guys, it was just that thought and that feeling like they were just kind of like, you know, that thought of like, it wasn't about making themselves look good. It was about making me look good or making the match look good. And if you, you know, or both. And if you like, and if I'm coming in with that attitude that it's about making him look good and making the match look good, um, you know, you're both working in a positive direction uh, as opposed to, Hey, I'm here to just get myself over and I don't care about you at all, kid. And, you know, um, you know, if you can't do what I want you to do, it's, it's going to be awful. Um, You know, like those guys, we all had each other's, we we essentially all had each other's back and um, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it really didn't feel cutthroat at all. Uh, like I said, it was, it, they were all like brothers to me. Um, you know, I definitely miss a lot of those guys. And, uh, you know, again, there were so many guys that, uh, you know, that were kind of like unsung hero kind of guys too, uh, that people don't always remember, or they'll, they'll remember the Devons and Aces, but you know, the Rick Ratchets, they'll be like, that guy was really funny, but didn't realize the talent that that guy had, you know, and how, you know, and how he carried other people to good matches and how people grew, you know, training with a guy like that or working with a guy like that. So, um, you know, uh, you know, so many different guys I can think of, but, uh, you know, I can remember working at Kettner's just the culture and the climate working at ECWA, uh, down in Delaware for, for Jim Kettner, you know, it was just such a positive atmosphere. Um, and, uh, everybody was just there to bring a hundred percent, uh, knew their spots and, um, you know, and, and were there to just go, you know, hundred percent and, and perform, you know, for, uh, for the fans and, and make people leave happy. I mean, you know, like I was a huge fan of Boogie Woogie Brown, <laughs> you know, and I huh. couldn't wait to see him do the big splash on people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, you know, guys like that. And, um, it was, it was always, it was always fun. It was, it was always a lot of fun, but, you know, growing up with a lot of those guys, I, I, you know, I couldn't say too much bad about those guys. It was, it was so many great guys. And, and like, like I said, having quality training, having, you know, a good attitude, uh, and, and they're, you know, not to get themselves over, but to get the match over, to get the program over, to get the company over, you know, with that type of thinking, you know, it was just, you know, it just led to a lot of, um, a lot of really quality matches and, um, you know, with a lot of great guys. And one thing that you kind of mentioned there, which was kind of cool, was these guys would pop up on TV, and you'd be like, oh, my God, I saw him live or whatever. 
but ECW especially, because I remember uh, Lance Diamond, a.k.a. Simon Diamond, you know, you see mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. become a regular on TV, and then Julio Sanchez would be Julio Tenero, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. and then you see you you popped up once in a while, and I remember a match with, like, Supernova, so yeah. it was kind of cool to, that you were able to, uh, you know, pop up in ECW, too. What was your experience like with, uh, you know, Paul Heyman and the crew with uh, ECW? Yeah, it, uh, for me... Um... I had, you know, at the time, I was definitely concerned uh, about working for the company because I really was kind of like um, like a nobody, and I know that the uh, the company in general had a uh, had a high penchant for violence, and I was more of a wrestler wrestler, and um, I know there were times, uh, you know, there there were, there were potential opportunities for me there, and. I, you know, I was definitely concerned about, you know, uh, the direction that I might, that I may wind up going. Uh, I, I definitely didn't want to get hit by a chair or a cane, <laughs> especially how hard they were swinging it. <laughs> I would always joke around. I was like, I got to think about my modeling career after wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, seeing some of that, I would always be, I was always, I was always a little bit concerned, but, um, I think at the time uh, when uh, when Heyman reached out to me, um, I think it was at a time where I was really, you know, exploring my options. I think I was trying to get in with WCW. Uh, I did, really didn't have too many dreams or aspirations for getting into the WWF. Um, I just saw it as the land of giants, and um, and I figured like if if I were to have anything there, it would probably be short lived, and. Um, uh, so I, I really looked more towards doing something with WCW, and uh, and Heyman reached out to me uh, and wanted to bring me in. And uh, I can remember I came in to perform a match, and I had been traveling uh, that month pretty extensively on the Indies. And uh, you know, uh, at the time, I was probably working uh, at least three times a week. Um, so I, I would usually work my day job and then I was usually gone from like a Thursday to a Sunday or a Friday to, you know, a, a Monday. And, um, I can remember I was really, really sick and I was kind of like, Oh, I came in to do the match and, uh, with supernova. Cause they were doing a program where they were pushing supernova at that time. And, uh, they were bringing in different guys and, and he was, he was going over on different guys and, um, and I was brought in and I, I can't remember, like, I remember I was really, really sick. I had like the flu or something. And, uh, I can remember the match was just not my, not my best work. And, um, and I, that's the only time I was there with the company. And I know they were, there was a lot of, a lot of things that were going on with the company at that time. Um, I think they, you know, were having some issues financially at the time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, things were kind of up in the air. Uh, I, I don't think it was too long after I was involved with them that things kind of collapsed. I, I can't really remember, but um, so I'm dating myself now. But um, I was there for a minute, really, and um, and it, you know, I didn't think that I performed really my best match. And uh, I, I, I do believe there was an opportunity for me to come back and. Uh, I just felt overall, uh, you know, it just didn't seem to be the the fit for me. Um, especially, I was working I was working quite a bit on the indies. Um, I want to say this was in in like 1999. This was around that time. 
99. And uh, that time in the business was just a time that I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get back. Uh, I would like to see something like that again in my lifetime, but I don't know. I mean, uh, any, any indie show you went to, it felt like there was a thousand or more people. And, and, um, you know, uh, you know, it seemed like, you know, the money was good. Everybody was making money. Uh, people were promoting shows everywhere. Uh, I was, you know, in Maine one night doing a show. And then I was in Texas the next night doing a show. Uh, it, you know, and overall I was just kind of like, Hey, you know, um, this indie thing is really working out. You know, the paydays are great. I was working with great people and training and, um, you know, and still working my day job where I had some stability with that, which was a benefit. And, uh, and, and so, you know, things really didn't materialize, uh, with ECW. And unfortunately, I mean, I think a lot of people, or I think there were some people that took it personally. And for me, it was just kind of like, ah, I didn't know if that was just like a, a good fit for me. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, you know, just everything that was going on at that time. And, and I, I think I really wanted the stability of being able to have like my regular job. And if I had worked for them, it, that wouldn't have been a possibility. Um, and that, that income was definitely something I was more concerned with, uh, that stability. I mean, when I got hired with WWF, that was completely different. You know, that was a, you know, a solid check that I didn't have to worry about. Uh, it was a little bit different for that, but you know, over and above that, I kind of knew, that when you're on the indies, you know, you're on the indies and, you know, even with a company like ECW, you know, it, it was a, but it was still, you know, uh, you know, it, it was still volatile in its own right. And, um, you know, for me, I, I just, you know, I, I, I was just more concerned about that, uh, you know, that regular pay kind of stability. Um, and that, that was definitely something that was, that was foremost in my mind at that time. Absolutely, and it was interesting about ECW and the indie scene because I remember you had a match with Carino when he was the ECW champion, but it was on an indie show, but it was for the ECW title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve was, you know, uh, Steve was Steve. I think Steve started like uh, only a couple months before I did, and um, I think maybe my set. It was might have even been my first or second match. Uh, like I was in like a battle Royal with him. I can remember way back in the day. Uh, he came, he came with the mess guys from, from Reading. And I think they provided the ring or something for a show, but, but we, you know, uh, we went up wrestling together and, uh, and we seemed to roll in a lot of the same circles. And so Steve and I went way back and the, the person that was promoting that UWC show, um, you know, uh, had a relationship with both of us. Uh, and he was able to get us on. I mean, I, I, I don't really think Paulie really was like, oh, Steve, you can't go defend your belt in any of these places. <laughs> I didn't think it was a problem, you know, for him to do that. But, you know, oh, working with Steve was, was always a lot of fun. Uh, that guy, I mean, you know, just his mic work alone, his stick work alone was just, <laughs> it was just, you know, a cut above everybody. Uh, and when that guy was allowed to just do his thing, man, and, you know, and that guy, like, it's not even like it, it, to get to his level, I would have to be so trained and so practiced, uh, you know, like I, I was one of those guys that would like practice in the mirror, <laughs> my interviews, or, you know, certain key things. And he would just, 
he would just speak about things and like that would be his interview like he didn't he didn't have to have you know any practice and you know and the little things could would prompt i mean just listening to him i i learned so much with just interviews you know just listening to him uh you know he he was just a great guy and working with him was always was always rich and you know i i'm just thinking about this point uh, that i uh, that i got lost on uh, a minute ago when talking about ECW that i just wanted to bring it back around that um is probably because i've been dropped on my head too many times um but um you know uh i wanted to make a point that i knew like any of those promotions i knew that i was still a star a starving artist trying to sell my painting um and i knew my paintings would only be worth so much you know because i'm just a starving artist and so you know those were always like the thoughts that were in my head at that time so you know uh, you know i had bills to pay and stuff like that so i was always concerned about that but um you know so the you know the stability of my regular job was always nice you know uh you know you know on top of my you know running around in my underwear on the weekends uh in front of people but uh you know you know working with Steve that was a lot of fun and uh I worked with him a number of times and uh you know it, he was it was always an experience with him you know cuz when he was in the ring it was all business but when he's outside of the ring he Sometimes I would just be like, this guy, <laughs> he was crazy. And, uh, you know, always a lot of fun with, with him. And, uh, you know, and like, what is he? He's held like every major heavyweight title, right? <laughs> Except the WWF, Basically. right? Or WWE, right? Basically, I yeah. feel like the WWE has to bring him in so he can win that belt. They'll literally say he's had like every belt now, right? He had the NWA, he had the AWA, he had, the, you know, what, the zero one. You know, I'm trying to think of the other belts. I mean, that guy has had so many world titles, ECW world title. I mean, he's had it all. And, I mean, I almost feel like the WWF has to bring him in. So, I mean, I don't know. Is he active still? Because I see him in Ring of Honor, and he and he's doing announcing. But I don't know. Is he not active anymore? He actually just had neck surgery. So, I think he might be retired. Oh, 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 oh man. See, that's the thing that... That's he should have had a title. He should have had the heavyweight title. He should have brought him in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah. So he was a great guy. He was a great guy to work with too. But I knew him all coming up because we came up at the same time. So you know, like seeing a guy like that, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And time, uh, you know, I was driving all over the place. You know, getting on shows. You know, driving all over the place and getting on shows for. You know, a hot dog with sauerkraut, and I didn't even, you know, eat sauerkraut on my hot dog. So uh, I just <laughs> wanted to get out there. And, like, I would run into these guys here and there, and they'd be like, this guy, you're everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But, I mean, I had my I had my day job that, you know, that supported my wrestling habit. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, early on. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So I, I, I knew so many guys and, uh, you know, the, you know, you know, very few bad experiences, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of really good experiences. So, yeah. yeah. See, that's awesome. Carino, he, he's just, he's so great. And, and I remember, you know, vividly him at a lot of the shows I went to as a kid too, thinking like, man, you know, this guy should get picked up. And obviously then he gets picked up ACW. But then there was another guy that kind of caught my eye that you obviously, we mentioned before, you know, very well. And that's uh, Mike Quackenbush. Now, yeah, what's the history yeah. between you guys? Did you train him? Is that was that the uh, story between you guys? No, well, like, uh, whew, boy, um, um, 
he was, you know, what was crazy when he first kind of came on the scene, he had, he had a bad rap when he came on the scene because he was a dun, dun, dun backyard wrestler that was wrestling. And uh, I used to tell everybody, I was like, well, I was a backyard wrestler too. <laughs> like, weren't we all backyard wrestlers? Like nobody came like from like, you know, like, I don't know. And I guess a lot of the issues they had with him is he didn't have like traditional formal training. I think he had some traditional formal training to some degree, uh, but not enough to satisfy some people's attitudes. And at the time, people were very critical about like, you don't get in the ring unless you have tights and boots. Uh, like when I, like I said, the first, when I first started wrestling, if you ever, you know, were able to find old video of me, when I first started wrestling, I wore tights and boots. Um, and, uh, the reckless youth character was something, you know, that actually came, came about later, but, um, you know, Quackenbush was coming in, he was wearing like sweatpants and like amateur wrestling sneakers. And, and, uh, and I think he got like, you know, like a bad rap from a lot of people, but, you know. You know, he loved the business, and so many of us that loved the business. So we didn't always have a lot of opportunities, and uh, and he really just you know really worked hard to make opportunities for himself. And you know, I'm so glad that you know so many years later he you know he became very well respected. But you know, for him and I early on, um, I think we got introduced to each other um, working for Blaine DeSantis. And because uh, he lived out in that area and um, and we started working on a program together. And uh, and next thing you know, I think we were we were uh, we got picked up by uh, Norm Connors in uh, in Pittsburgh. And so we were doing shows. We were doing a few shows a month together and we started traveling together. So my regular traveling companion was uh, Don Montoya. And uh, because we we lived right near each other, we trained with each other at Monster Factory um, uh, you know, we were attached at the hip and, um, and what happened was, is, you know, for whatever reason, like we, you know, similar styles and traveling together, we, we always got put together uh, with Quackenbush in matches and, uh, Don Montoya, he was a big guy, but he moved like a little guy. And so, and he could work with the little guys well. So he always got put with, you know, like he would get put in a lot of matches with Quackenbush because he could, you know, do all the stuff with them and everything. And, uh, and so it turned into us traveling together all the time. And I, I don't even know how it happened, but next thing you know, we're in Michigan and we're in Texas or going out to, you know, all over the, all over the East coast and the Midwest and, you know, going all over the place. And, you know, this is early on, we were driving everywhere. And I mean, later on we were flying and, um, and I think we were together for a little while, myself, uh, quack and Montoya and, um, I guess Quack made the comment about like something he called us the black t-shirt squad. And I started laughing because I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you didn't know, you don't notice we all wear black t-shirts in the ring. And I thought it was the funniest mm-hmm. thing. And, and, but then I didn't realize he had this video game where he, this Japanese wrestling video game, I'm totally plugging fire pro again, that he had this <laughs> game fire pro six man scramble. And, uh, and you could create characters. And this was like, you couldn't do anything like that with like, I don't even know if there were wrestling games in the United States at the time. And this game, you could create all the characters. And so one time he said like, Oh, when we travel together, cause we always room together too. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm going to bring my six and scramble. And he plugged it into the TV at the, at the, uh, the hotel that we were staying at, the motel that one of the places we were staying at. And, uh, and I think we played through the night and we were just laughing. And he had this, and, 
And so then this black t-shirt squad thing, like kind of, you know, I guess some people heard about it and it got kind of picked up. Uh, even like the King of the Indies thing was something somebody else, a moniker somebody else came up with kind of in jest and, uh, and it kind of stuck. And the black t-shirt squad thing kind of stuck and, um, you know, uh, it, it, it was, uh, it was pretty neat. And then, you know, you know, uh, at the end of the day, Quack wound up writing a book, uh, that first book. I, I don't know if he's written any since, but I know he wrote, uh, uh, I know he wrote that, that book headquarters and he talked about the black t-shirt squad in there. And it was, uh, it was, it was really flattering. Um, and, uh, you know, and at, and at one point he, you know, him and I were talking and I know he had a passion about, uh, about having his own promotion. Um, very much like a super delphin type promotion osaka pro and um it was at the time where my back was injured and i didn't even think i was necessarily going to wrestle again and i still wanted to be a part of the business somehow and give back like training people and uh him and i came together on uh starting our own school and that's kind of where chikara um chikara started uh was just him and i together and we again we were really close and montoya was involved heavily uh in the beginning also and um us traveling together and we had similar personalities and um and we seemed to like each other you know enough or i should say we could tolerate each other enough that they that we didn't want to kill each other and um you know and that's kind of like how it came you know how uh, how uh, how it uh, manifested itself from there and um you know it, it was you know that's a, another great relationship uh, 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 again a guy that i don't see or talk to enough that i reach out to and like you know, maybe once a year, <laughs> you know, and see, but, uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, you, you know, just knowing him early on. And, and then, like I said, clicked with the different things and, you know, we always had a lot of fun with matches and always seemed to be on the same page with things. Uh, he was one of the few guys that I could wrestle that we, we, we really just knew what we were going to do, you know, and we didn't really even need to talk about too much or anything. Uh, there were very few people I could ever get in the ring with and things just, just, you know, like I can remember Christopher Daniels, uh, Chris Daniels, just amazing. And that was a guy just, you know, things just, you would normally just click and, you know, require, you know, not much. He was, he was just, he was, he was another guy that was brilliant. And also that was, that was a great experience with a, you know, totally sidetracking going off <laughs> a few different <laughs> stories in different directions and all, but, uh, but yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So, but I mean, thankfully he's, he's, he matured past the sweatpants, uh, you know, still wears the amateur wrestling shoes, I think, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't, stopped wearing the sweatpants. He's got, he's got better outfits now. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually had the pleasure over the summer. Um, quack actually had a kind of like an open, basically an open gym at the wrestle factory down there in uh, Philly. And, um, it was just a free class and he, you know, he had about maybe 20 people or so there. And, you know, basically he, you know, with the wrestling shoes on, he basically kind of just did a small, <laughs> you know, beginner class training and he was absolutely great. And his, his like thought process is definitely uh, unique because he, you know, he was kind of saying it's more of a dance and you guys have to have chemistry. It was quite a great learning experience. I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he had a lot of benefit because, you know, some of the styles, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember, it, it was, was it Jorge Rivera? I'm trying to remember who was who was training him pretty heavily, um, like in the lucha style, and he was getting a lot of lucha and, and, uh, and Jack, Japanese mix in there also. 
And, uh, you know, just to see, because I, I, you know, I had been apart from him for a lot of time and, and coming back and seeing the way he was training. I had some guys that I was training and I took down to the school. This was a number of years ago. And, uh, you know, how he was developing and training guys was definitely a lot, was different than when I was used to uh, or had experienced, but it was still a good experience nonetheless. Like, I mean, it was, you know, that was kind of like what was me when I went, uh, when I went out to Al Snow's. Like, I had trained on the East Coast learned like these different things. Um, and I, I, I mean, I know this is going to sound like, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, really watered down or, or not giving enough justice, but like, for instance, like in here on the East coast, like I would learn like one way to reverse like a hammerlock as an example. And everybody did it all up and down the coast. And I went out to the Midwest and Al was showing you like three or four other ways to reverse a hammerlock that nobody else was doing it like that. And it was just, you know, like night and day. And that's what it was like, you know, the training that I had been through and experienced for years and then going and seeing how Quack was training people after he had that experience with Jorge. It was really, really cool uh, to see what he was, you know, what he had learned and how he had grown from that process. So, I mean, it, you know, and, you know, uh, that mystique that he had for a number of years in the beginning, I, I would easily think has, you know, has been washed away. And I know he's well respected throughout the business, you know, now after after some time, but, you know, he, he had a hard road. But oh, so many of us have a hard road. There's very few guys that have it easy. And, you know, they're usually built like Greek gods. And, you know, if they want the business, they can have the business. But Far too uh, many of us have to have a long, you know, long ladder or a long hill or, you know, high hill to climb, you know, to get at, to get much respect and, uh, you know, and far in the business. Absolutely. And Quack, uh, with the Wrestle Factory, has definitely, you know, pumped out some good guys. And, uh, you know, uh, Claudio Castagnoli definitely, definitely sticks out. I know you wrestled him before. You know, obviously now he's WB's Cesaro. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Before- did you have a hand in training him? And who's some of the other guys you know you had a hand in training? Oh man, I can't I can't remember all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I you know I I, it, I never thought it was uh, it was fair to say I really like trained people. I think I was like instrumental or involved to some degree with working with people because it was always a learning and growing experience. Uh, I can remember you know being involved with uh, with Claudio. And, uh, and we had, we had a few matches and they were always great matches, but, uh, I would say, uh, Quack had more hand in, in that than anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of some guys, uh, offhand, but I, I mean, you know, I can remember, I can remember I used to go down to this school in Philly, Montoya and I, and, um, you know, there wasn't like a formal trainer at the school. It was called the Hawkins school down in, in Philly. Uh, and it was, you know, just known a lot of people had gone through there and, but there was no really official trainer. And a lot of these guys that were, you know, just, uh, you know, guys that wanted to be wrestlers really bad, but didn't, you know, couldn't afford to go to a formal school. And we would go down there all the time and roll around with these guys and work out with these guys and show these guys things. And, you know, and then next thing you know, they would be wrestling shows and they would be like, Oh, I was trained by reckless youth. And, you know, I was always flattered by that, you know, but, uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I, like, you know, so I, I would say like, there were a lot of guys I, I was, I probably had a, a, you know, a degree of influence on in, in one way or another, but, you know, straight out and outright formally, you know, uh, training most of the people that I dealt with, they had, you know, like, I think that, you know, uh, you know, to some degree, some people would say like, Oh, they were trained by me, but I, everybody that I dealt with, 
you know, had some type of training before, maybe they were matured along a little bit working with me or learned some other things, you know, training with me that they hadn't learned before. But uh, sometimes they would just need the right name to get them in the door. Uh, and that's not to say that I didn't do anything with them. But a lot of times, you know, it, it was about that, especially during a time when everybody and their mother was, had a school, uh, you know, and, and anybody could buy boots on, on high spots. Uh, where before it was more of a restrictive club and uh, it was a little bit harder of a club to get in and uh, you know and then you had schools on every corner and everybody can get gear anywhere and um, you know it was a little bit harder to decipher so sometimes it was more a name recognition thing and you know if I was instrumental or involved or had trained or worked out with some guys I would be like yeah of course you can use my name and you know that kind of thing but I don't think there was anybody I ever worked from the ground up um I mean, I'm thinking some early students in uh, Chikara would say that I worked I worked with them on, from the ground up, and that would probably be the case, like uh, people like Mr. Zero or Ultramantis, um, like some guys like that. Uh, but most of the people I dealt with, I'm even thinking like a, a Trent Asset, you know, like a, like, a, like a kid like him. I mean, he came in, he was working out and training and rolling around a lot of places, you know, and uh, – I may have been instrumental in smoothing out some rough edges, but, you know, that kid already had, you know, a wealth of talent. Um, you know, I'm sure Quack would say to some degree that I trained him, but boy, I learned, I learned a lot from him. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was a mutual relationship. That was a mutual experience. I, I, I learned a wealth from him too. So, uh, like I said, there was, there were different times in the business and um, kind of like when I first started, it was all about like, they knew you were a monster factory student and you had boots and you had tights and you were good. And you were in that, you know, that club where then later years, it was more about, yeah, who you knew or who you trained and, you know, who trained you, that kind of thing. But, uh, a lot of great guys, a lot of great talent. Um, some things that I might've helped along more than others, but you know, if you're talented, you're talented, you know, somebody, sometimes you just need somebody to direct you on your talent and, you know, if I had the pleasure of being able to direct some people, you know, with their talents that, you know, I consider that nothing but an honor. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of going back, you, and you mentioned Trinastic, he was definitely a, a guy that I thought that, you know, you had your hand in training. But with uh, Cesaro, a.k.a. Claudio, did you see him being like on a guy that would be on WWE's radar, giving, you know, given his size and his athletic ability? <laughs> I always joked with people because I can't remember who did it with me. Somebody did it with me and they said, all you have to do is start, te is start spreading the rumor that like WWF is looking at you. WWE, you know, uh, it shows you how old school <laughs> I am. I still call it WWF, but uh, mm. all you have to do is start the rumor that WWE is looking at you. And I could remember somebody told me that. And I can remember joking with Claudio because Claudio had like a world of talent. I mean, you could just see the guy had talent. He had a great look. He had an amazing build and that guy could work in the ring, you know, just, I, I mean, he, he was, he was one of those guys that could make a broom look good. And, uh, and he was so humble. He would always be like, no, it's not me. And he was like, <laughs> that broom didn't do it itself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was, he was just so humble. Um, you know, he's a guy I'm not surprised that he is where he is. And he's just such a humble guy, such a, such a great guy. Um, and, uh, you know, just looking at some of those guys like that, that, that came up, um, 
you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not by any means surprised with with a lot of these guys and and what they've become and you know how they've matured, um, you know, just being involved with them to some degree or or, or another. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, you know, now uh, he's out right now with injury, but he was one of the guys that like uh, supposedly John Cena went to bat for, and that. Uh, the crowd seems to be really, really into, but for whatever reason, he's kind of been being used as, like you said, you know, quote unquote, he's making that broom look good. Like he just made uh, uh, Roman Reigns look really good. He's like kind of the guy that makes the uh, the guy they're trying to push really, really good. But I think the fans are starting to notice that he's the guy that uh, you know mm-hmm. that should be pushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know is you know I, I, like I said, I'm I'm not surprised he is where he is. Um, you know, it's just a, a top quality guy and it's nice to have, you know, good people pushing for you. Uh, I mean, I've heard that about Cena before, uh, that he's, you know, really big on the younger guys or it really like pushes for the talented guys. And I, I, I think I may have done a show with Cena way back in the day. I think it was like one of those camp shows, uh, WWF wrestling camp shows. I, I can't remember if I, if it was with him or no, it wasn't him. Now I'm thinking about it. It was Kurt Angle. Uh, but um, I've always heard good things about Cena. I mean, you know, just being real humble and really nice and going to the bat for guys like that. I mean, you know, I, I, I've always heard good things about him. N- never met the guy. I mean, uh, that was, you know, outside of my time. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to hear you telling me that he went to bat for him because, you know, you do, you need guys like that going to bat for you, you know, a lot of times. But, you know, I think of like, you know, Owen Hart, you know, Owen Hart, he passed away and it took for him to pass away for everybody to talk about how amazing he was. And he was, he was amazing. And he was one of those guys that other guys were built on, um, you know, and like talking about that strong foundation. And he was just like one of those cream of the crop guys. And they had a handful of guys that were what the fans might consider the mid card guys or the guys that get beat up all the time or the guys that aren't really that good. And these were the guys that were making their superstars that they loved look like a million bucks, you know, and teaching them and training them and, and building them up. And, um, you know, it, you know, so it, it's really nice to hear, you know, that there are some other guys that are pulling for guys like that, you know, and, and fighting for them. And, you know, you know, the business has to be, you know, built on a strong foundation because when it's weak, you know, everybody suffers. And, uh, but when it's strong, it, it reaps benefits for everybody. Absolutely, and Owen will be getting uh, hopefully a lot more recognition in about two weeks because they're releasing a, a DVD, you know, slash Blu-ray of Owen celebrating his career, which I think is long, long overdue. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and he's like one of those guys that you know, behind the scenes, everybody knew he was a rock star, but you know, you know, it took it took you know, unfortunately, it took his tragic and untimely death for you know, people to come out and just talk about, you know, how brilliant he was. And uh, like I said, I knew there were, I know there were a lot of guys that were built, you know, on that were built up on his back. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad, you know, that he did get the recognition that he deserved. And unfortunately that had to come, you know, after his untimely death. Absolutely. And uh, as I start to wind it down here, one question I love to ask, especially to a guy like you who was so accomplished and had so many good matches you know, you wrestled, geez, I mean, we mentioned all the guys before, but we didn't even mention, like, uh, Jimmy Del Rey or, like, uh, Just Incredible, who you wrestled a couple times, or, like, Tracy Smothers. But do you have a favorite match or maybe matches that you've had in your career? 
I'm sorry. Did you, you said? Uh, did I have a favorite match? Yeah, it's like maybe one or two, or you know, a couple that stick out to you. Because I know you wrestled so many good matches and wrestled so many good wrestlers. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> wow. Oh man, that would be hard. Like I was, I really was blessed to have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of matches that you know many people revered uh, and with different opponents. Um, boy, um, boy, it's, uh, boy, that's really tough. That's really tough to say, uh, a particular favorite. Um, boy, boy, that's just a tough one. I, I mean, I'm usually asked about favorite matches and I, I mean, and, and w- or when I have been asked about favorite matches in the past, I would usually steer away from that. And I wouldn't steer away from it because, um, it, you know, because, you know, like I didn't want to pick one. I, I was just fortunate enough to have a lot of amazing matches with a lot of great guys. Um, I can remember, you know, matches that were in front of like 50 people that were just amazing matches. I can remember I had with like a starling, um, you know, and then I can remember, you know, working uh, Ronnie Killings, uh, K quick, uh, K crush, uh, you know, working him in front of like, what was it? 15 or 20,000. And, and, you know, and, in that Memphis arena, uh, that was just great. And, you know, it's boy, I I hate to say like that. I had a favorite. I, you know, um, I can remember matches that, you know, just the crowd, just, you know, the crowd just eating up and that just energized you even more. Um, I can remember I was doing like 30 minute Ironman matches at a period of time. Uh, and, uh, those matches were just a lot of fun. Uh, working with a person uh, for that long and, and, you know, and having the crowd, you know, holding the crowd's interest and, uh, and having those type of matches. Uh, boy, I, I, I would re- be remiss. That there's so many names. There's just so many names. Um, I can remember there was a, a match with Tracy Smothers that I had in, you know, Mount Holly, New Jersey, that basically got me into, you know, uh, Kentucky, for Ian Rotten that got me, you know, uh, more recognition. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of when I worked a three-way dance match in the Eddie Gilbert Memorial a number of years back with uh, Lance Diamond, Simon Diamond, and Cheetah Master that a lot of people, uh, you know, had, had high praises for. And even, you know, working with uh, Matt Stryker, you know, in that one match in Philly, Philly just always such an amazing crowd. Uh, but the different tournaments, uh, sh- uh, you know, the Shane Shamrock tournament uh, in MCW, uh, you know, the JCW J Cup or J Crown, you know, like that was uh, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's just hard. It's just hard working with Regal, um, you know, in front of seven people in, you know, in uh, in uh, you know, in some of these towns in you know uh, Arkansas and <laughs> and uh, in uh, Tennessee uh in Mississippi. Uh they're just amazing matches. Uh you know, it's just hard to pin down. It's hard to say like, oh, what was my absolute favorite? It it's it's too hard to say. It's just too hard to say. Uh even obscure matches. I remember uh were two cold Scorpio and Chris Daniels in a three way match. Uh Venom Black and Chris Daniels in a three way match. Uh you know, uh, working some guys, I, I, you know, a, a handful of years ago now, or more than a handful of years ago, uh, Don Montoya and I had the opportunity to work Mil Mascaris and Dos Caros. You know, that 
was really cool, <laughs> you know, at least to be like, I worked a legend, you know, I didn't work one legend, I worked two legends, you know, and uh, especially considering I played as their characters on Fire Pro so many times to actually be able to work them was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Express, um, you know, I was actually jealous that, that Don Montoya took the double drop kick finish, you know, <laughs> mm. uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, you know, just great, just great experiences, uh, with so many great people. Um, you know, a, a lot of people that, you know, I'm so happy to see a lot of these guys now. Um, you know, on top or in, in the business and, and you know, in, in different ways. I can remember I had a, I had this great match. I thought, I thought it, in my mind, it was, it, it was a great match in my mind. <laughs> I would like to see it on video if it was a great match on video too. But I remember I worked Claudio one time in, in, for Chikara in, uh, in some town in Pennsylvania somewhere, I think it was. And, and, um, you know, I remember, you know, that, uh, you know, many matches out in Michigan when I first started in Ohio, when I first started trying to get my name out there with, with you boss, Dave Keller and, uh, and Steve Nixon, uh, some names going back. Um, you know, just all just amazing experiences. There, there is some guy, uh, I shouldn't say some guy, but his name is Adam Lash and he supposedly has the most comprehensive selection. Like he has like just about every match I ever did. And I'm trying to get a copy of that stuff. <laughs> I'm trying hmm. to get a copy of my own matches <laughs> from him. But there's a guy that's his name is Adam Lash, and uh, he supposedly has the most comprehensive uh, library of, of every match that I've been in. I don't think I'm the only one. I, I know he's, he's – I, I believe he does have other people also. Uh, I know he has, like, the most comprehensive – uh, uh, you know, uh, a comprehensive match list, uh, you know, of my matches. I'm hoping to be able to get some copies to show my kids. Cause I don't, I don't really have too many matches. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember just off the top of my head, uh, I can remember I was, uh, working, uh, Cole Cabana out in, uh, Illinois. I remember we had, a, we had a, 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 an awesome match. I met great guys out there too. So, um, sorry, it's hard for me to pin down <laughs> a good match. Hey. What was your What was your favorite match of me? <laughs> I know there there was so many. I do remember that one <laughs> um, against Carino. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was the one for the East Every Tunnel, but I remember that you guys had a match. It was somewhere. I feel like it was like uh, an Overs Jersey. I just don't remember where. I think it might have been for uh, UWC. But I, I just, yeah, in I just Pem- remember in Pemerton, that. Yeah, in, in Pemerton, New Jersey. Yeah, in Pemerton, New Jersey. Okay. I, I knew yeah, that was we went match. to so many shows, but you guys really stuck out. And I just remember thinking, I was like, wait, were we at an ECW show? He's like, why the hell is this for the title? Like, we were, like, so confused. Uh, yeah, I think he was able, yeah, uh, Jeff Bradley was uh, promoting that and uh, was involved with that promotion, UWC. And uh, and he knew both of us and, and got that. But, I, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that match. I remember that being a lot of fun and uh, really interesting because uh, he had a son at the time. Uh, I think at ringside or something involved at, at some point too, which was great. And and now, like I, I told you, I watch Ring of Honor now, and that kid is all grown up. I remember when he was a little kid. <laughs> oh, Colby, yeah, Colby Carino. <laughs> yeah, he's all grown up now. It's so funny. It's so funny. The days are the days are long, but the years are short. That's for sure. Yep. You know, I was at the uh, Murphy Rec Center, too, when you fought Matt Stryker. That match was awesome. And then I loved the match in New Jersey against uh, Doug Williams. He gave you guys a lot yeah. of time. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was great. I mean, that match with Matt Stryker, um, wow, that was that – was, that was um, – that was a really rich experience. And like the Philly crowds were always just such great crowds and, uh, you know, always such great wrestling crowds. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, working with Doug Williams, that was, that was also a really rich experience and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, again, just so many, I mean, like I said, I can remember, you know, so many different matches, so many different places with so many different people. Um, you know, I, I can remember, like I said, obscure matches that people may not remember. Uh, D'Lo and I tag teaming against uh, Ace Darling and an Inferno Kid in, you know, in Mal- or, uh, in uh, in Yardville, New Jersey, and on that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, D'Lo and I, we grew up together, so for us to tag together, that was like a big deal. And on this was after he had worked in Smoky Mountain and everything, so. It was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So we, we did some we did some cool stuff. We had a lot of fun with each other. So made each other laugh a little bit too, which is always good. <laughs> you know, it was cool because me and my friend I remember we were like, "Holy shit!" We're like, when we went to the ROH show, we're like, "Reckless Youth!" Oh my god, yeah, he was great. We're like, "Oh, he's wrestling this the technician Tom Carter now." Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and we, you, know, you know, obviously the rest of the crowd was going crazy too. I mean, everybody loved the match. Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, like I said, working with, uh, uh, you know, just the Philly crowds were amazing. I mean, you know, Northeast is just always, was always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, 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 I was just reminded of it, and I can't even remember why. So many things pop in my head every once in a while, but I can remember when I was doing with a group of guys from the Northeast, we did the East Coast Invasion out in, in, uh, in Michigan, out in a company out in Michigan, and, you know, that was just a lot of fun, too. And, uh, you know, uh, I can remember that I even got coverage in, in some of the, uh, the, the pro wrestling illustrated or, you know, the PWI mags, those mags at that time. And, you know, that was really cool stuff. And I'll working with a lot of those guys out there too. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I just had the, uh, the pleasure of working with a lot of different people and having, uh, and having, you know, uh, well-respected matches with a lot of great people. And, you know, it, it was a really rich experience for me, you know, all in all, the, any way that I looked at it or any way that I cut it. Um, I had envisioned that at some point I would maybe be an agent in the business or, you know, behind the scenes training or working, but, uh, that those things never seem to materialize, but, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, there are, there are a lot of days that, you know, that I miss it, you know, <laughs> that, uh, hmm. that I think back and I go, wow, you know, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And you could actually, uh, I've seen a couple of your matches on YouTube as well. So, I mean, um, I know you mentioned that guy, Adam, but also, uh, YouTube is quite a great source to find some great, uh, breakfast youth <laughs> and some Tom Carter matches as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I you know, uh, sometimes I, I try to, you know, get my kids to watch them. <laughs> hmm. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, no, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff out there too, you know, with the internet. Uh, you know, I can remember when I was first starting in, in 95, I was just joking with somebody about this not too long ago, saying when I first started in 95, they were really like, that was when the internet was just like starting, you know? And it was like, I can remember having a prodigy account and you just went on to like uh, <laughs> message boards and, you know, it was like, it was just like message boards. It wasn't even like anything, 
you know, and it's just crazy to think that, you know, you, you carried around VHS tapes and you were pawning off tapes on people and now, you know, bunny hopped right past the DVD era and people are just, I feel like, and just kind of just posting everything online and, you know, which is, you know, such a cool way to be able to interact and share information and, uh, technology is just uh is just pretty amazing and and uh how quickly it's 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 moving by leaps and bounds just doesn't uh doesn't uh you know uh always uh, impresses me and the fact that you have this archive out there now that you know you can look back at and you know show people or um I could share with people you know uh close to me and those that even aren't but but yeah 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 so absolutely you know it's curious um, about you, because I know you wrestled so many good guys, but do you ever have, you know, maybe a dream match in mind of a guy you never got the chance to wrestle but always wanted to have the chance to wrestle? <laughs> I think, um, I think, um, um, I, I, I'm, boy, who? I can remember there were always different things that were out there about um, who, um, you know, uh, like I can remember there was a time where I think I had wrestled in like way back, or not way back in the day, but the WWF had their tournament, uh, had their, you know, their junior heavyweight tournament that Scotty Too Hottie was mm-hmm. in and all those guys. And uh, Quackenbush was on a mission to get me booked with like every one of those guys. And I think I had wrestled like every one of those guys in that tournament except one. Uh, I can't remember, like, Antifas or something. I, I can't remember who it was, but. Uh, you know, I can remember things like that people had. Uh, I know Chris Hero, uh, him and I never got a chance to wrestle, and I know Chris Hero really, really wanted to wrestle me. But, but as for me, boy, I never really thought about it like somebody I wanted to wrestle. I always thought about it like somebody that I wanted to train me. Um, I can remember there, hmm. was, there were a handful of people that I desperately wanted to, like, just learn from and gain wisdom from. Regal was one of them, and so – that one I was like, check, but, um, you know, uh, Benoit, you know, uh, was one that came to my head that I was like, man, training for him would have been awesome. But, uh, I can remember, you know, Dean Malenko and there was a time, I think when I was with WWF, um, he was, I think he may have been training people in Ohio and I was in Memphis and I was trying to get up to, uh, Ohio just to, so I could train with him because I just wanted to train with Dean Malenko because I was, you know, a huge Dean Malenko mark. And, um, I, I, you know, I would have loved to just train with him, uh, uh, train with somebody like him. I, I'm thinking of, um, Ultimo Dragon too, was another guy that I, I would have loved to train with. Um, uh, but I never really thought about it from a wrestling perspective, wrestling. That's a good question. Who did I ever want to wrestle? Yeah. And I, I didn't think about it like that. I always thought about like who I wanted to train under, and I, I always wanted to, I always wanted to be trained. I, you know, I wanted to have that under my belt, like Dean Malenko, like, you know, like, you know, one of the people that was trained by the Malenkos, um, you know, I know there were, there were, you know, more than a handful of guys that were trained by the Malenkos. And some of those guys were like, yep, I was trained at the, by the Malenkos, uh, by Dean Malenko. I'm like, oh, I was jealous. <laughs> I, like, I want to be trained by Dean Malenko. Uh, so yeah, like Malenko, you know, was like somebody that just, you know, just popped out of my head that I was like, definitely, I would have, I would have loved to have learned from that guy. And Ultimo Dragon was another one, but I'm sure I couldn't keep up with that guy. 
<laughs> I, I oh yeah, he was great. Keep up with that guy, but uh, yeah, any one of those, you know, those Toriamon Dojo guys, they were just out of this world. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Dean Malenko, man, I, I guess if if I could have wrestled somebody, I would I would have liked to have wrestled him. Um, but really, I just think uh, you know, if I would have trained with him, I would have been wrestling with him. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to be trained by him really, really bad. He was one of those people up there on my list. And Luthez, when he was still alive, <laughs> huh. uh, you know, like just to, to just to pick that guy, just uh, you know, wisdom and knowledge that he had, and um, you know, just amazing. And all. I know there was there were a few people that you know that knew him or, or were able to speak with him, and um, you know, so I would I would love to you know, learn a little bit from him too, um, whatever I could have. So yeah, sorry. Oh no, great, great, great answer. I love it. I was just curious if you ever wrestled, uh, AJ Styles, because when you were the, in ROH, he was kind of like the pure champ or he was headed towards being the pure champ. Did you ever get a chance to wrestle AJ? I wrestled him once. Um, in a uh, in a match for the uh, the, the J Cup for JCW uh, that promotion run by uh, Ricky O and it was one where we wrestled like four matches in one night and um, it was pretty grueling and I think I wrestled him in my second to last match I wrestled him and then I think I wrestled American Dragon and um, you know I I would have loved the opportunity to really only have wrestled him. Um, I think by the time I wrestled him, it was like my third match. And I was like, you know, I think it was his third match too. <laughs> and we were all like both just beat up and tired. And I, I, yeah. I mean, that would have been a lot of fun for him uh, and, and me both. Uh, if we were just, uh, I, I, I would have loved to just, just have been wrestling a match with him. You know what I mean? Rather than at that point, we had yep. wrestled a few matches already. And, you know, we were all a little beat up. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to wrestle ever wrestle him. Like, um, you know, I would say that was kind of like an, an inhibited match because you know, again, we had a lot of those stuff we were doing that night already. And um, I, 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 yeah, I didn't get a chance to wrestle him. But you know, uh, you know, I did get a chance to wrestle him. But like I said, to me, I'm kind of like, oh, that wasn't really, you know, given it the kind of justice that I felt it, you know, it should have had. And 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 I think there would have been an opportunity for us to wrestle, you know, down the line. It just didn't uh, they wrestle again, but it just didn't materialize. Uh, that would have been a lot of fun. But uh, I always, I, I mean, I remember when I saw him, I was like, yeah, he's really the next generation. And I think it was when I started seeing guys like him that I was kind of like, it's probably about time for me to hang up my hat. <laughs> you know, I saw, you know, a younger generation of guys coming up that were, you know, young and hungry. And I was kind of like, you know, getting older, had a family. And I was like, yeah, it's probably time for me to, you know, just about finish up this thing here. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I did wrestle him just once, just once. Now you mentioned uh, Ricky O, obviously JCW, but coming up on twelve uh, twelve in Howell, New Jersey, for Ricky O for uh, GCW for Game Changer Wrestling, you will be honored in uh, you know uh, at one of his shows. What's that? You know, what's that like? You finally getting the uh, the respect you deserve here in uh, New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think he may have reached out to me more than once to do something like this, and. Um, 
it's just it, it, I'm really flattered by it. Um, uh, you know, I'm always flattered if somebody remembers me, if uh, you know they would like to honor me in that way. Um, it, it, it's just um, it's really humbling for me, especially after so many years. Um, you know, it, it's just uh, it's nice. It'll be nice to get up there and see some of the guys that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, also, and you know, just say hi to some fans that you know. Many of which probably don't even know who I am, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it was uh, you know, it was it was really nice. It was really nice. It was a- I was asked to to come up for that. Um, I think uh, I think he would have liked me to be wrestling, but you know, I think I think those days are more than likely past me. <laughs> You're like officially officially retired. No more wrestling for you. Uh, I, you know, I never wanted to be one of those guys to say that he retires because then if I ever wrestle again, I'd be a hypocrite. Right. So, mm. uh, you know, I, you know, I, I never really wanted to say that I, that I would retire and to be completely honest, I really never thought I was really relevant enough that it really mattered. Um, you know, I, I you know, I'm flattered by the, the people that I did influence in some way, but um, really if, you know, I, I never really looked at it like, yeah, you know, officially saying I'm retired or anything because, you know, I may I may still have a couple of matches in me. You know, who knows? I may or I may not. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to look like a hypocrite, you know, saying like I retired, make a big official announcement for retirement. And, you know, I would just rather say that, you know, I'm, a, you know, I'm in, a, you know, a, a very extended leave of absence. <laughs> extremely extended uh, leave of absence <laughs> gotcha. there's a potential to possibly come back again one day but, <laughs> but just uh, not but on yeah, the 12th I, I, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, well I mean I'll be there obviously you know just in a, uh, a capacity uh, to be uh, you know to be uh, honored in that respect but again it's you know, it's to me, it's like, wow, you know, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for the people, you know, that trained me, people that worked with me and the uh, the fans uh, that were out there that, that cheered for me. So That is great. Now, if I could ask you this, because I'm very curious on this as far as your perspective on it, because obviously you're a great talent. And I think, in my opinion, a ton of people remember you, especially, um, you know, my age group, because we remember you were kind of like the you and Ace Darling and Devin Storm were the guys that really stuck out when we went to those indie shows. And we were like, man, this guy is great. And, you know, it was great to see you in Ring of Honor, too. But what would you say, you know, you're not retired per se, but what would you say, you know, your lasting legacy or your final, like, stamp is on the business? Hmm. I can remember when I was doing it, it was at a time when small guys weren't, I mean, I was considered a small guy. Uh, small guys weren't really, um, weren't really anything. Um, they, it was still a big guy business. Uh, I'd like to say that I really ushered in that, that era of change of thinking. Um, uh, it, I'd like to say that, you know, uh, I was, uh, I was involved in that to some degree. Um, that uh, it mattered more about, you know, the quality of the wrestler. Um, I can, I can remember, you know, when I was, you know, starting Indies only heavyweights main event it. 
Um, and by the time I was done, there were a lot of guys that weren't heavyweights that were main eventing. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I was, uh, that I was involved in that to some degree. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, the legacy of independent wrestling, how near and dear it was to my heart. You know, uh, I just loved, you know, going and having that intimate relationship with fans, uh, not having that distant relationship they have, like with, you know, the big companies, um, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, um, I was involved to some degree with a resurgence of independent wrestling. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to say that I, I don't know how true those things are. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd like to say that, <laughs> I'd like to say I was involved in that in some degree, those things. Well, it's pretty great when you get recognized by PWI. I mean, at this time in the 90s, PWI was huge. And, it, you know, obviously we're still covering the major companies and everything. And in 1998, arguably, well, I think it definitely was probably the hottest year in the business. You were ranked number 50 by then, you know, number 50 on, on the list. And, you, you know, in 1998, there was, Huge WCW was getting you know 5.0 rating, and then WWF mm-hmm. was getting huge ratings with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So pretty great accomplishment to get in there and really really be recognized not only by Bill Laughter but by a lot of other you know kind of luminaries in the business. Like hey, this guy Reckless Youth on the indie scene is unbelievable. Check him out. Yeah, 98, 99 were really hot years. Um, we were talking about that earlier. Were just amazing years, and I can remember. Uh, you know, hearing about hearing about getting ranked 50, and uh, I can remember that being a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, especially because like I was, you know, I think I believe I'm not too sure that that it still may be true, but I was I believe I was the highest rated independent wrestler never to be on national TV or the highest rated wrestler to never be on national TV. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case or not, but I remember at one time I was the, the highest rated to, to never like, you know, be on national TV. So um, that was such an honor, but like I said, a, a blessing and a curse. Um, but uh, you know, uh, that was just, uh, that was, that was amazing and not taking anything for from anybody, you know, below me. Um, uh, because there were a lot of great people below me that, um, you know, that worked with me uh, and that I wouldn't have been where I was without them. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was a crazy year. It was a lot of fun. PWI 500. Right. And, yep. um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was really interesting. That was really, really interesting. But I mean, I think maybe at the time, it was, it had a lot to do with my influence on indie wrestling, um, how much I was traveling all the places that I was. Um, I can remember a little, little known thing that, that motivated and drove me, but, uh, lightning kid, Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid, when he was wrestling on the independence, he on his own dime traveled all over the place. And when I used to open up magazines, like the wrestler, they used to have rankings from like, like the major companies, but then they would have all these indie, like quote unquote indie companies across the country. And I can remember one time there was a period of time I was opening them up and lightning kid was in the top 10 of just about every company on, on, in that magazine uh, or in those magazines during that period of time. So all these smaller companies, he was like all over the country. 
And I can remember when I got into wrestling, like nobody was doing that. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be that guy. That's like in the rankings everywhere. I want to be able to say that I went to every state, which I didn't go to every state, but I wanted to wrestle in every state. Um, I wanted to work with people all over and I was willing to, you know, spend a lot of my, my, my own money, uh, to do it. Um, uh, you know, being a, a tax accountant by day, I mean, I used to track all that stuff and, and, and report it to the government. And I, I mean, I, I had huge losses those first few years, you know, spending money traveling all over the place. And uh, I, I just desperately wanted to be in, um, you know, I wanted to be that. That was a, a a banner for me to be able to open up the magazines and see me in the ratings. Or and, and I think they stopped doing that by the time I started doing it. Um, but it was always flattering because they would like do the introducing uh, for different wrestlers. I think it was in the wrestler. They would do the introducing for new wrestlers to be looking at. And so many of them, they had pictures of me in there, or they would talk about feuds with me, which was really, which was really cool. And. Um, and then when I was doing that East Coast Invasion thing out in Michigan, uh, uh, Dave Prezak started uh, coining me the King of the Independents. And uh, it, it was interesting is everybody had a everybody had a title. Uh, everybody was king of something, and I can't remember what they all were. But whatever it was, that King of the Independents moniker really stuck with me. Uh, I guess you know how much I was traveling and going around, and that really kind of I think that motivated and really reflected on the. Uh, on that ranking that PWI gave me that year, uh, which again, like I said, was, you know, such an honor, you know, but like I said, it felt like it was a blessing and a curse, you know, <laughs> uh, mm. you know, uh, to be recognized in that respect, but then, you know, also, you know, target on you after that. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it, it was really cool. That was really cool. I think the year before I was, I was, and the reason I remember this because I had it on a shirt, but I think the year before, uh, I was 152, and I used to wear a shirt that said 152, and people would ask me why, and I said it was because that was my number in PWI. And then when I got <laughs> ranked 50, uh, I refused to get a 50 shirt because, like I said, it was like some people didn't seem too happy about it. So then I got a shirt that, that I used to wear a shirt in the ring that said overrated, and that was because because when I got when I got ranked 50, <laughs> I said I was overrated. So. Um, you know, I was really critical of myself, which was, you know, it was pretty funny because I think I was like one spot above, like, I think Hogan was right underneath me and I was like, yikes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, that's not good. <laughs> you know, that's not good. So, um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah. So one year I'm wearing a shirt that said 152 and the next year I'm wearing a shirt that said overrated, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, um, I was I was re I was really flattered. I was really flattered to be acknowledged in that respect. Uh, and I I, th I I used to have a lot of the memorabilia, and um, uh, you know just holding on to it. But uh, there was water damage in my home, and I lost all of that, like those magazines and everything, and uh, posters, all that stuff. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. Uh, I and I used to collect like every company that I went to. If they had a shirt, I would collect the shirt. I had all these shirts, and all the stuff got damaged. And I was like, oh, man, you know, all those memories, you know, gone. But, uh, but yeah, you know, or all that, all that tangible stuff is gone. The memories aren't gone, but all those, you know, the, the, the tangible things that I had are gone. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're better in my memory anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to almost become, uh, become, you know, the lightning kid, so to speak. 
you you know you you got noticed by all those magazines, which is great, and obviously those memories are. Uh, and a lot of uh, fans like myself that enjoyed watching you wrestle you know, over the many many years, uh, especially in the New Jersey independent scene. Well, I mean, I'm I'm just glad. I'm glad that uh, I'm really happy and I'm flattered uh, that so many people appreciated what I was doing, and um and the you know uh, and the price that you paid you know for admission you know wasn't lost that it was uh, it was worth every penny. I'm hoping that it was worth every penny. You know, um, and uh, you know I I you know it was nice. It was nice. I can remember you know doing uh, this show one time in Atlanta. And um, the, I talked to these guys and they said, these guys came up to me after the show and they said, you know, we drove four hours just to see you. Uh, and I can remember just then like, oh my gosh, like what an honor that is. I hope I lived up to that honor. And, uh, and then I'd say that to say then I can remember doing a match in uh, Connecticut one time. And this guy came up to me and he said, I drove an hour to see you and you were awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, so <laughs> I guess I left an impression, <laughs> you know, some impressions were good and some impressions were bad, but I, I mean, I'm just so flattered, you know, that, uh, that so many people that I influenced and so many, uh, people that were that were fans because of it, and you know, and I hope that it was something that uh, that drew them to indie wrestling. You know, like like Johnny Hotbody and Tony Stetson drew me to indie wrestling. You know, and made me like a fan of indie wrestling. I didn't even care about the big companies. Uh, you know, like I, you know, I, I I wanted to incite that same type of reaction and feeling, and you know, in people if they came and saw me that they you know, that they loved indie wrestling that same way and, you know, wanted to follow indie wrestling and maybe even one day wanted to become wrestlers too. Absolutely. You kind of uh, made independent wrestling definitely, you know, more popular for sure. And now uh, indie wrestling seems to be blossoming, you know, blossoming yet again. Why kind of WWE is, is, you know, not doing so great in the ratings. It's, it's very strange. It's almost like the old territory days nowadays where, indie wrestling is still very popular. Well, that's nice. That's nice to hear. I mean, you know, them not really having any competition, um, you know, I, I would think has hurt them, but I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, 98, 99, I mean, some of those those years were some of the richest years for wrestling fans, period. And, um, you know, uh it, 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 you know what it's come down to now just having one company it was it was a sad day you know when wcw you know shut down or was absorbed in the wwf in my opinion um you know and you know and i think the business is still you know feeling some effect of that still to this day and uh if you're talking about the return to territories or some of these other things blossoming you know blossoming up uh, that would be really good news to hear um you know, but everybody needs a breeding ground too. That's where it all starts. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's nice to see that some of these guys are coming, you know, from different places and able to make their way up, you know, into the bigger company, you know, into the big company. Now the big show now, uh, WWE. So, um, you know, that's good. That's good. Absolutely. And right now it's crazy. The ratings of the, of the most recent raw, they're actually the same ratings that Raw was getting in 1997 
when WCW was killing them. So <laughs> obviously a lot of people are turned off by them, but the indie scene is flourishing. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. I mean, I'm looking forward to going up to this show. I don't get out to too many indie shows, uh, really few and far between anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting out to this one uh, for Ricky O and Howell, New Jersey. And, um, you know, and, and you know, and like I said, at the very least, seeing some of the guys and maybe catching a little bit of the show, I think I might bring one of my boys with me. Um, you know, one of them, my youngest, I think he's going to be the next reckless youth, but we'll see. He's still got a lot of years to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other son, not so much. He's he's more of the uh, the intellectual. So, uh, no hopes for them to be a tag team. <laughs> oh, damn it! Could have been uh, two reckless youths. Would have been great. <laughs> I got to train them somewhere, though. You know, so that would that would be no no ring in my backyard. <laughs> They got to be a backyard wrestler like you used to be, you know, back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can <laughs> yeah, backyard wrestling. That's where I started. D'Lo and I, we used to put on shows in our high school, and then we used to uh, we used to backyard wrestle. Like, it, and it wasn't even backyard. We actually used to front yard wrestle, <laughs> and the neighbors would come and watch and stuff like that. So yeah, we used to have a lot of fun, a lot of fun way back in the day. Way back in the day, and a group of other guys that were involved in it too. So, and also, oh, so you've known D'Lo a long, long time then. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm even thinking of like there were some other guys that came in, uh, that came into the business too. I mean, but this like a, a name that that wouldn't that probably would roll off. But Dave Keller, he came in with us and used to backyard wrestle with us. Uh, probably the other big name, that, or I shouldn't say it's a big name, but indie name in, on the Northeast that you would know that we used to backyard wrestle with. I say backyard, but when we used to be, uh, we, used to, we used to backyard wrestle, and then we started renting the ring from Larry Sharp. Uh, this was a long time ago, and before we actually started to formally train. And uh, one of the groups that we used to do it was Twiggy Ramirez. You know Twiggy Ramirez from indie wrestling in, in Northeast? Sounds familiar, but I can't put a face to him. Ah, oh, you don't know Twiggy Ramirez? Yeah, he was uh, he was a guy. Uh, he was a guy that we used to that we used to uh, like quote unquote yeah backyard wrestling. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah, going back, going back, long time. Absolutely. Now, you know, one kind of final question for you because I know obviously with uh, Game Changer Wrestling on twelve twelve. You're going to be there in Howell, and you know you're going to be honored by uh, Ricky O and the crew over there. But is there any other place you know a fan can like seek you out, or do you have any uh, other social media plugs that you would like to uh, you know get out there for the reckless youth fan? <laughs> um, I unfortunately, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm on I'm on Facebook, but uh, for the most part, I mean, I don't really have like social media or anything like that, like uh, Twitter or anything like that. Um, um. Yeah, I, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just like you know, just uh, Tom Carter on uh, on Facebook, uh, possibly connect to connect to me through other people. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, you know, nothing in that really in that really way to get in touch with me. Sorry. Hey, no problem. Do you have anything planned, you know, for uh, for twelve twelve, or are you just going to kind of go there and, uh, you know, no expectations and kind of just, uh, you know, enjoy the uh, the game changer wrestling? Yeah, I, I, again, I think there. Uh, I I thought it was like in, induction into a Hall of Fame type of thing. I think it's something of that nature, but 
that's about it. Just going to go up and, you know, enjoy the show. Like I said, I might be bringing one or more of my children with me and uh, just go up and enjoy the show and, you know, say hi to some, you know, some friends and maybe some fans that, uh, that may have remembered me. And uh, that's, that's the extent of it. Yeah. Nothing more. Awesome. Well, uh, I thank you very much. I really appreciate the time you gave me, you know, Coming from a big uh, Tom Carter, uh, reckless youth fan, you know, from the uh, from the 90s and the 2000s for sure when I uh, used to go to all those shows. So it's really, really been uh, fun for me. Really appreciate you giving me uh, all this time tonight. Okay, great. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate it.